Hello, this is Maurice Harker. For almost 20 years, we've been building a team of hundreds of clinicians, coaches, mentors, and people just like you who have discovered and love to teach life-changing principles. Our coaches have made a special investment to make sure you can hear these messages. You will hear stories of triumphant healing from specialists and people having a real life just like you. We hope to increase your awareness that you are not alone, and there are so many others who are enlisted in this work to train and heal the whole family. You will find these principles are an amazing synergy of the most accurate cutting-edge science with familiar gospel principles. We are passionate eternal warriors, and we hope you will join us. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We are really wanting to extend a special welcome to you. Today, we're really excited because Maurice Harker is here for our Q&A. I appreciate getting some of the credit for the foundational stuff between we signed Mothers Who Know, but it's actually my wife's idea to start Mothers Who Know. Karen's been glorious at the execution facilitation, bringing it all together with great vision. But there I was being a normal boy, doing what normal boys do, which is be micro-minded and hyper-focused on things that don't involve what women are dealing with. And she was just talking about, I was just talking about the work I do with young men. And she just said, there's going to be a lot of scared moms out there. And I'm all, what? What moms? No, she's all, yeah, that's what I figured. And so in a pleasant and uplifting way, we started brainstorming the idea of serving mothers somehow. And it was right around that same time that I met Karen and we started strategizing, game planning and trying things for the first time until it's become what it's become. So a little background about all of this stuff. I became a therapist because I wanted to find ways to help people implement gospel principles in a scientific way. I felt limited in Sunday school classes where you couldn't really get in people's heads and kind of find exactly what was missing or wrong and and then use concepts that actually work. I was disappointed in college. There's a lot of neat stuff you learn in college about psychology, but when you study profits very carefully, you're light years ahead of scientists when it comes to psychology. But you do have to learn how to sift the psychology out of the conference talks and the scriptures because it can be overlooked a lot. So when I'm reading a conference talk, when I listen for words like depression, anxiety, self-mastery, et cetera, and then I study what goes on around that to try to translate it into useful stuff into psychology. So my first goal was to become a marriage therapist and work on relationships because that was my biggest concern in my developmental years. But I was asked to be the pre-mission assessment specialist at LDS Family Services, and I have eight brothers and no sisters, and I'm familiar with the adolescent young adult male psychology experience. And so I was asked to do the permission assessments. It became very clear, very fast. that The number one thing delaying the boys from going on missions was sexual self-mastery issues that we used to call pornography problems. But we've learned that people would rather talk about self-mastery than problems, let alone that scary word pornography or that other word that starts with an M that no one ever says out loud in a meeting like this. Okay. But we learned that when you're working with someone who is in need of sexual self-mastery, the brain has a tendency to, well, you didn't ask me that specifically, so I didn't have a problem with that part. 
parents and bishops are appreciating the phrase sexual self-mastery because it's all-encompassing with anything that involves sexual issues that need to be harnessed and controlled. So that was the beginning of the need for a training system that would serve this population well, accurately, successfully, and in an edifying, uplifting manner. All of the systems I'd been introduced to before had some kind of a shame-based, unpleasant-based, awkwardness-based culture to them. Having been raised in a culture where I understood the sensations of we are at war, we are at war with a spiritual entity, and if we gather like soldiers instead of like debilitated humans, we can progress faster. Thus, the concept of Sons of Helaman. Okay, now, from the very beginning, I'm going to weave your second issue into this now, Karen. From the very beginning, one of the important phrases that I studied, because I myself needed to learn all these principles as well, is that this energy that is inside of us young men, this energy was never intended to be crushed. And contrary to popular belief, it is not only a sexual energy. This energy is not only to motivate a young man to participate in reproductive activities. This energy that we have now learned to call passion. Okay. And the phrase from the scriptures, it says, bridle your passions. It does not say kill them or stomp them out. It says bridle them. And so over the last 30 years, as I've studied primarily masculine psychology and primarily adolescent male psychology, I have gotten pretty good at girl psychology as long as they're over 20. Not so good at the under 20s, okay? but I think I'm up to 10% comprehension on adult female psychology, and I'm feeling very good about that. I'm very pleased. But while I'm specializing with the young men, we learned that God blessed us with a little craziness, a little powerful craziness, so that we'll do dumb things like walk into Egypt and tell Pharaoh to release the Israelites. Okay, you got to be a little on the crazy side to take on that job. How about being a 14, 15, 16, 17, or 18 year old who's ready to translate gold plates and start a new religion? You got to have a little intense craziness inside of you to be Lehi, to be Nephi saying, of course I can build a boat. Of course I can build a boat. First time, let's all get in it and we will not die. And there's that guy, the brother of Jared. Okay, how did he talk his wife into putting her children in that boat with bees? We need, in order to fulfill our stewardships as presiders, providers, and protectors, we must have an energy inside of us that is difficult to harness. It has to be powerful. And it's called passion. And so... As I understood, we must not stomp it out. We must not kill it. We must channel it. And moms, here's where I'm going to be a little bit sad for you, is you're desperately hoping that I will be able to empower you to do this with your sons. But unfortunately, at least 75% of the training for becoming skilled at passion projects must be a man training 
men. Men must train each other or there will always be something wrong. Now, that doesn't take away your value. The work you do with a pre-adolescent male is pure gold. But how the story ends is not on your shoulders any more than Laman and Lemuel is Sariah's fault or Cain is Eve's fault. How your sons turn out is not your fault. Okay? I want to make sure everyone's clear on that, and there's a whole other conversation we have about that later. Okay? So when Sons of Helium was originally created, we... Made, put our major focus on removing the unwanted behaviors, removing the unwanted behaviors. My assumption was that it would be a very natural process for the warriors to transpose that energy from misbehavior into their passion projects. After watching this for 17 years, I'm not satisfied with how natural that process is so after the fourth time of trying to find a way to implement a passion project training system, and after multiple revelations, we've found an extremely simple and effective way to implement it. And the missing piece was a gift from President Nilsson two years ago called a pattern for growth that we called the DPAR system, D-P-A-R. So, the final philosophical concept before I give you some of the structural details is when a man transposes his energy from sexual misbehavior into doing things that will miraculously change the world, he uses up that energy and power to fulfillment in fulfilling those advanced level stewardships. A description of what a passion project is, I will give you a short version of it. We do have it written up. A passion project is a project that you are working on that combines your gifts and talents, otherwise known as spiritual gifts, that combines working with a teammate, one or more, that combines a goal that cannot be accomplished without divine assistance. So it will be a miracle. And it involves the repetitious process of discovering what could be done, what needs to be done, how it could happen. Planning. By the way, these are this DPAR from President Nelson's Pattern for Growth. You'll find it in the Youth Handbook on your computer. Okay. Learning how to discover ways of accomplishing things, ways of doing things, ways that have never been done before. Planning strategically getting good at putting together ideas that could make it happen, acting upon those plans, the A square, and then reflecting. How did it go? How well did we do, et cetera, et cetera. And then back to discover, doing it all over again. Let me tell you how big of a deal this is to President Nilsson learning how to do these four things. Most of us grew up with the old medallion-based and sticker-based and ribbon-based youth programs. Lots of checklists, lots of things to do to check off. If you remember two years ago, President Nilsson wiped out that entire system in one brush of his hand and replaced it with these four words. Discover, plan, act, and reflect, and everything around it in that small nine-page booklet is just designed to support those four words. 
And so mothers, here's all that's really going to happen. The participation of a young man in Sons of Helaman is going to be exactly like it has been the whole time, except for a small little change when he gets to his eighth week. Already, between weeks eight and 12, they are required to be perfect for 28 days in a row or more to achieving their six squares. Now, may I emphasize again, mom, it's not your responsibility to make sure he does those six squares. If you are making sure he does those six squares, his brain will not be strong enough to be successful for a long time. He needs to fail over and over again, like a normal human who learns from failure that he needs to try again, that he needs to try again, that he needs to try again. So when he fails, my prediction is that 95% of them will fail the first try. I'm totally planning on it. Okay. I hope what you do as a mother is you have a very pioneer woman response to you say, of course you failed. When we do hard things, we fail. And then we try again. If you're learning to play the piano, you don't get it right the first time. If you're learning sports, you don't get it right the first time. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fail. Okay. All right. So now the only change will be in the requirements for graduation that one of those six squares, the A square, will now be defined in the following way. And by the way, this is all written up, so you don't have to memorize it. They must do some action towards the four things. Discovering passion projects, planning them, acting upon that plan, or reflecting upon the efforts that have been made. They can do more than one, but they're only required to do one. So, for instance, if he says, I'm kind of good with music, I wonder how I could get better at making my music available to other people. And he types in a Google search, how can an amateur musician make his avail music available to other people? He reads for five minutes on it. Done. He is halfway done with his A square. He has now done some discover work. If he wants to try some planning, he sits down with his 15-year-old buddy and they make the most ridiculous, unlikely to succeed plan ever made by a human being. But because he made an attempt at planning, it counts. Okay. If he plans to build a go-kart in his backyard, for starters, by the way, that does not count as a passion project unless it meets the other criteria, which I will not review in detail now, but he starts it and it is horrible and the wheels don't work and it's a mess, okay? But he acted upon it, that counts. If he attempts to reflect, so he's over there looking at the wall, glassy-eyed, and you say, what are you doing? And he says, I'm trying to reflect. And 10 seconds later, he walks away because he's exhausted. Because he spent more time reflecting than he ever has in his life. Because he thought about his efforts for like 13 seconds. That counts. So there's an example of the four types of behaviors. The second half is he must tell other people about his efforts. 
to count that square. My preference would be he brags about it on one of our text messaging or Slack, or I think with the Sons of Human, we use GroupMe. When a new kid joins, he's automatically enrolled unless his parents don't want him to be, which by the way, we monitor that very closely. There's nothing weird going to go on there. If it does, it's extremely rare. Okay. This is where they share each other's successes. This is where they give encouragement. This is where they do all sorts of things, build brotherhood, long distance, et cetera, et cetera. And so all he does is he posts and he says, I reflected for 13 seconds. Post. Now, we're going to have some guys that get pretty good at this stuff, being role models for the others. And so don't worry, it's not going to stay that amateur because he's got to do it every day for 28 days. Okay. Your job as a mom is to be fascinated by whatever weird things they try. Okay. You are allowed to ask the question, so does that count as reflecting? If they say yes, you go, oh, when you study the parental guide for this system, President Nielsen, let me tell you why he's using this based on my limited understanding as a 52-year-old psychologist, okay? What President Nielsen was observing is that the younger generation that's coming of age has been practicing checking boxes that somebody else thought of. And the new generation was not skilled at thinking for themselves enough. Now, let me tell you a sad story that I experienced this morning. Okay, actually, it's two of them in 24 hours. Last night, I met with one of my apprentice therapists reviewing one of her cases, and she's agonizing over what to do with this case because she's working with an 18-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son. She just received an email from the mother telling her as the therapist exactly what she should be doing in her therapy sessions with her children. Okay, including not mentioning or not discussing whether it was the right thing or wrong thing for this mother to decide when the 29-year-old daughter was allowed to leave the home. Okay, the mother, I, I met with a 22-year-old daughter this morning. I've met with this family before. While I have complete validation for the parents' love of their children, Two of the children that I've worked with are extremely unskilled at thinking for themselves because the parents are extremely good at thinking for the children. And when the kids make mistakes, including sinning, then the parents take over the planning system for the kids because the kids can't be trusted to plan for themselves. Last time I checked, when God sent us here to this earth, he fully knew that we would be sinning. He fully knew that our attempts at discovering, planning, acting, and reflecting would be inadequate, and we would do it wrong. If I can ask anything of you parents, please, as your young men are learning how to do this, have the process of learning to discover and plan and act and reflect be more important than whether or not they are succeeding at their goals.
You've got to let your kids sin because God does. He lets us sin. He lets us fail. He lets us ruin things. There's nowhere in any conference talk in the last 50 years where the prophet says it is your responsibility as a mother to make sure your kids don't sin. It is nowhere in any doctrine. And so they will. And who better to be in the presence of of another fellow sinner? So when they say, I had a plan and it didn't work, and you say, that happens to me. I have plans and they don't work. I acted upon my plan and it didn't go as I planned. Me too. We're the same. I reflect upon my efforts and they're inadequate in these ways, but good in these ways. Me too. We're the same. But my sins are worse than your sins. Oh, I'm not going to tell you what I did in college. We're not going to have that conversation today. (laughs) No, we're not. Maybe when you're 30 years old, I'll tell you about all of my sins. Okay. But for today, I'm just going to have compassion for your sins. Okay. And then some more discovery work. So the best thing you can do is to have your own topics that you're doing discovery work on. Your own topics that you're doing planning on. Your own topics that you're acting upon and your own topics you're reflecting on. And when you have a chance to talk with them, you put your DPAR next to their DPAR and you walk together through the four, four sections if they're ready for you to participate. Little warning, moms. One of the most important goals of an adolescent male as he's preparing to become a husband is to prove that he does not need a mother. So the work he does to make sure you don't matter in his life is part of his development. You deserve the credit for what you've done, but please don't take offense to a young man who's trying to prove that you are not relevant in his life. It's really important for us men. You cannot take on a wife if you still need a mom. Don't worry. They'll all be horrible at being husbands for a while. Learning to be a husband is like practicing the violin. It sounds horrible when you hear it from a distance at first. And you just hope they stop. Okay. Karen, ask me clarifying questions. What might I have missed that the moms are going to want to know about? Oh, oh no. I, just thought of, I just thought of two things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one, to help your sons get better at passion projects, this will be occasionally talked about in the groups, but we have two extra resources. One of them is every personal warrior trainer is trained to help facilitate the four steps of passion projects. So extra sessions with their personal wear trainer is a good investment. Okay. A less expensive yet less direct resource that your son is allowed to participate in at any time, right? On day one or later, starting in January, we're going to have a class that teaches a workshop that teaches specifically in a four week rotation, one week on discovering one week on planning, one week on acting, one week on reflecting, and then we're going to do it over again. Another week on discover, another planning, another on acting, another on reflecting, so that we have a man training men in a room full of other men, 
And one of my secret hopes of this is they're going to meet each other and combine strengths and do team-based passion projects. So that's one of the things that's gonna come of it. We've written all this up so you can read in detail. Feel free to ask questions. So if a young man has yet to reach eight, week eight starting January 1st, doing this version of the A square will be mandatory for graduation. Okay. All right, any questions? Karen, did you think of something? I was just gonna say the, the goal is not for them to start and complete a passion project. It's right. for them to understand the process of receiving personal revelation through doing the DPAR about what they're passionate about and doing that for some time is going to create this more preside, provide, protect kind of mentality. Thank you. So yes, mothers, this is not an Eagle Scout project thing where they're required to complete something. So you do not have to become a scout mom all over again. And if you feel like your son is slacking in these areas, you don't address your son. You tell on him to his personal warrior trainer or to his therapist. Let us do the training on this, if you don't mind. We are happy to take that load off your shoulders. Just say, as far as I can tell, he's not doing his discover work. As far as I can tell, he's lying on his calendar. As far as I can tell, he's still losing battles. I have no problem with a mom sending the funniest thing happens. I haven't told the story before, but when I get a letter from mom, I play this game where I don't tell the guys whose mom it is. And I say, I want you to raise your hand if you think it's your mom. And 50% of the guys will raise their hand while I read the letter. Oh, that's so my mom. That sounds like my, no, dude, that sounds like my mom. Oh man, that's my mom. It totally sounds like my mom. How weird is it that all the moms sound the same? So ladies, don't hesitate to share your concerns with us. Then we can attend to them. Thanks, you, Karen. <clears throat> Anything else? No, I think that was so good. And so we'll be receiving some really in-depth information. We'll also, it will be somewhere on the Life-Changing Services website for us to I find. Think it's already read. I think it's okay. already available by a link. Okay, so has it been emailed out to everyone who has somebody in a program yet? Let's check with Connie and Ruben. I think they sent it out already last week. So what we decided to do is we have a very short letter that's just a blurb so that we don't overwhelm people who don't love details. And there's a couple of places to click to go read the little line items. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know exactly what's going on, you can read about it. But there's the short version and the long version. They should be available. So just you should just click on your emails and do a search for Passion Project. And if it's not there, let us know so we can improve. Like By the way, if your youth is over 18 and has not signed a release of confidentiality to have you receive stuff, you're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. Your son will, but you won't. Okay. So. All right. So good. Hey. And so ladies, let's take advantage of this time we have with Maurice. What's on your hearts? What have you been noticing lately? What's consuming a lot of your time and wonderings as you're thinking about things as it pertains to your child or just you, even your family? Even if you don't know your question, you can just kind of say, here's kind of the situation and Maurice will hear your question in your situation. He's pretty good at that. So yeah. So ladies, I want to talk about how it feels crazy to be a good mom. 
But I want to be validating of this pendulum swing you're going to find yourself on. And I want you to feel like it's healthy. The capability you have to invest your thoughts, feelings, and hearts in someone else's life is astonishingly powerful. Okay? To really think about the details of what's going on across the room with the other person, to watch closely, to be sensitive to it all, to be creative in your ideas, et cetera, et cetera. This gift can often feel like a curse if it's not received well. I sometimes fantasize imagining a world where everyone fully received all women's ideas and what would happen if that took place. Can you see how many miracles there would be if people took you seriously all day long? Okay, just, let's just spend a moment with that happy thought because it's not reality. But anyway, it's a really happy thought to imagine other people taking you seriously all day long, right? I'm sad being raised in a family of all boys that I did not get an adequate education on how valuable your thoughts are. So I repent of that. And I'm working very hard to pull everything I can from girl brains and use them because it makes me look way smarter than the guy next to me. So there's a little bit of selfishness in that, but it does produce great results. Now, when you discover that your pearls of invested energy have been cast before swine, not that we want to call your kids and possibly your husband a swine, because that would be rude, but it is metaphorical. Okay, we're not really saying they're swine. They're just valuing your pearls of wisdom as if they were swine. And so you're finding there, you're sitting there and they're just snorting and pushing it with their nozzle. Like I just shared with you a thought I've been working on for three months. Like I have been polishing that thought and refining that thought. And it's a beautiful thought. Someone's going to frame it someday and put it on the wall because it's such a lovely thought. And you're just like, snorting at it and stepping on it and ignoring it and walking away from it. Now, ladies, if we all had the psychological fortitude of God, we could just do that all day long and not burn out. But as long as you're mortal, you're going to reach the point of running faster than you have strength. May I encourage you to let yourself retreat and regroup without feeling any guilt about it. Let me explain why. I was chatting with God one day about fulfilling my stewardships and feeling a little burned out. And he says, Maurice, I'm going to say this really slow so you can follow along and you can keep up with me. He's all, do you remember the scripture that says, it's not meat that you run faster than you have strength? Well, yeah, but I should have more strength and I should do more. And he says, no, at any moment of time, I could inject you with all sorts of strength. We've already seen me inject you with wisdom you don't deserve because you write books that people read and you're not smart enough to do that on your own. That's okay. Right. So I have a strong testimony that if God wants me to be more resourced than I am, he can totally do it. So why does he let me burn out sometimes? He pulls the lens back a little. He says, I want you to look outside of your window for a second. And I want you to look at how things maneuver in nature. How some wind comes and it does a certain thing. And how some sun comes and it does a certain thing. And how water comes. And how sometimes going without water does something. And how going without wind. And all these things, time and season stuff, does very important things for the growth of the world. 
And then he says to me, you, and I hope you'll hear this for yourselves, you are a vital piece of the growth of this world. But sometimes I need you to do nothing so that I can have other things do work. So I let you burn out so that you'll do nothing. I let you get tired so you will do nothing. I let you feel unwise so you ain't got nothing to say. When I've learned how to listen to my lack of resources, listen to my lack of energy, I've learned it's time for me to do nothing. It's time for me to let something else happen. Which, by the way, is really embarrassing halfway through a therapy session. Okay. And you're sitting there and they're all, okay, I'm ready. I'm paying you money. And you go, I got nothing. Okay. I can be friendly. I can be encouraging, but I got nothing for you. And they're like, okay. And we have this awkward moment of them going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go now. And you're like, oh, okay. I'll make sure to prorate your visit. Bye-bye. Okay. So ladies, don't be surprised when your pendulum swings the other way and it's time for you to have some girl time, some mom time, man. I had one woman say, my husband totally botched it for my birthday. So I went to the Grand American Hotel, got myself a massage and I had total girl time, man. It was a very wonderful birthday and I was all by myself. But that is what she was able to find value in. Okay, so ladies, sometimes it's really important that you're not a mom. So something else can happen. For as evidence of that, think back about your own development. What percentage of the very important moments you had in your development were not your mom? Okay, she did play a role, but you needed to hear things from other people too. So sometimes you let people learn from someone other than you. Okay. And then you go back to being invested again and trying again and throwing your pearls at playing. Yeah, that's very normal. Swing set, invest, retreat, invest, retreat, invest, retreat. I just want you to know that that's healthy. Okay. All right. BJ, anything come in? We actually do have four or five questions here that are come in. So let's see what we can do here. So the, the first question is, what do we do if our sons need help, but they don't think they do, or they're not willing to participate in the program? There's some important stories in the scriptures of reluctant young men that we need to prepare ourselves for. I'm sure that Sariah, the mother of Laman and Lemuel, had the same question. I don't know what that conversation would be like between Sariah and Alma the Younger's mother. Okay. Alma the Younger's mother felt similar agony, I'm sure, but she got the luxury of him coming around. How do you make sure one outcome comes then instead of the other one? You don't get to make sure. So a lot of your work is what's taught by Karen, which is stand by the tree. Do not lose your mind trying to make sure other people behave correctly. Now, 
there are certain things that God has done and prophets have done to try to inspire and nurture us into good behavior. So there are lots of things you can try. But remember, you're just supposed to throw the seeds out, just like the parable in the New Testament, where the seeds fell on different types of ground. As the farmer, your job is to throw the seeds out. It's not your job to make sure that the birds don't eat them or to make sure the ground is tilled or to make sure they're received well or that the weeds don't choke them out. That's our responsibility. Even a teenage boy can make a place for seeds. Okay, now there's a couple of things you can do. If someone's behaving contrary to your value system inside your home, always remember it's your home. The person who provides the home also decides what resources to not or to provide. Okay, and you can be really weird about it. Like, I don't want to financially support you going and hanging out with your friends if you don't go to Sons of Heaven, at least fake it. Okay. So you can do it, everyone. You know you're doing it right, mom and dad, if you start every sentence with, you can do whatever you want. You need to be able to start it. You can do whatever you want. Just like we were told when we came to earth, just like we're told in our conference talks, we are reminded we have agency. You don't get to pick the consequences of what you do, but you can do whatever you want. All right? You know you're prepared with your conversation if you start it with that. If you do this, I will be doing this. And if you do that, I will be doing this. So then follow it up with if then statements. If you don't do this, I will do this. If you don't do that, I will do this. Make sure you don't use threats. There's a difference. Gravity doesn't threaten anybody. If you step off a building, you will fall and hit your head on the pavement. That's not a threat. Okay. Do not do an if-then statement that you are not capable of following through on. For instance, with a 17-year-old, you do not say, if you don't do your homework, you cannot go anywhere this weekend. Are you going to stand between him and the doorway when he wants to go out for the weekend? Are you going to block him from going out? Chances are he's bigger than you. You can say you do not have permission to go out. I will not give you permission to go out this weekend. Okay. Trying to talk my son into not getting tattoos. You are not allowed to get tattoos. Yeah, that worked. Some people haven't seen pictures of my glorious looking son with his amazing cool tattoos. I still don't know why they, he values them so much. Okay. So. You don't get to pick how the child turns out. Now, a question I have that we contemplate with parents, what if my son is attending the meetings, but he doesn't do anything while he's in the meetings and he's not following the instructions and he's not to doing what he's supposed to do? The difficult question you have to ask yourself is, your son's going to be exposed to young men and adult men who are going to have an influence on him. If it's not in a Sons of Hill meeting, it'll probably be in a locker room. Or something like that. Is it worth it to invest the money just for him to be in the presence of those people for two hours? You're the only one who can decide if it's worth that. I do not encourage using, if you don't do your assignments, if you don't do your manpower, we're taking you out of Sons of Elon. Please do not do that. That completely defeats the purpose. We completely understand it's part of the process to learn how 
to get good at those things. I will promise you this. In almost every Sons of Healing group, over 50% of the guys are getting it right and are role modeling for the new guys how to do it right. Okay? So your son is going to see lots of success. If he doesn't come to Sons of Healing, he's not going to have friends telling him whether or not they're succeeding or failing with their daily spiritual workouts or with their sexual self-mastery. Because the guys that are succeeding aren't going to brag about it. And the guys that are failing, you're not going to want your son to hear those stories anyway. And so, yes, it may take two years. It may take three years. Some of our strongest, most powerful graduates took over three years to graduate. When the average is seven months. Okay. So, yes, the average is between seven and nine months. It takes three to six months to figure it out. I promise you we've worked as hard as we can to make sure it's the least expensive training available. Anything else there is either really expensive and I, to be candid, and is not as good. Even in a treatment facility, they may learn a lot of stuff really fast, but they don't get a chance to practice it in their regular lives. And so then they come home and they get back to regular lives and everything falls apart. Often, not always. Okay. We have to leave room for them to discover new ways of fighting, make a plan for the week, try it out by acting through the plan, failing some and succeeding some through reflection, and then discovering again and doing the whole cycle over and over again. This is what prepares them for long term success. It is not my goal to get these boys to succeed as fast as possible. My number one goal is to never meet their wives. My number one goal is to never have a wife in therapy with me because her son, her husband didn't figure it out when he was a teenager. So I've got the long game in mind. Okay. I don't know if that's an adequate response. What's next, BJ? Um, thank you. Just Can I to ask a quick follow-up question on that? Oh, go ahead. Sure. Um, sorry. How do you do the if-then statement so it doesn't sound like you're manipulating them? You are manipulating them. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, but let's talk about the word manipulate, okay? This is a word that has been contaminated. The youth will use that to make it sound like you're doing it wrong, all right? Every conference talk that we are here is a manipulation. Manipulation by definition is an attempt to influence behavior. You are attempting to influence behavior, therefore you are manipulating. Okay? And so don't argue over the word manipulate. The next time they say you're being manipulative, you just say that is correct. If we'd like to look up in the dictionary what manipulate means, it means to attempt to make a change in something. And as the steward of, as your parent, my stewardship is to attempt to have an influence on you. And you can choose to be a Samuel, a Sam or Nephi, or you can choose to be a Laman and Lemuel. You can do whatever you want. So yeah, don't argue over whether or not you're being manipulative. Just say that you are, and it'll save a lot of arguments. <laughs> Thank you. That is okay. so perfect. I hope that helps. Grace, can you just do a quick example on, you mentioned if your son says he's going to leave and he stands up to walk out the door, 
what might you say as an if then in that situation? Okay. Depending on what's going on, there's lots of different variables in a case like that. So you have to, the number one thing, you, you cannot do an if then statement in the moment. That will mess with your head. You will totally botch it. If you walk out that door, no Christmas for you for 10 years. Okay, don't do that. You say, if you walk out the door, I will have to think about what I'm going to do. Okay, that's how you do it in those situations. You can buy time. Do we ever get consequences from God immediately? Are we doing them a favor by giving them immediate made up consequences that we didn't think them think through? Okay, you say, you, all right, go. I will decide later what to do. My preference, if they're over 17 years old, you change the locks on the doors until he does enough yard work to earn his way back in the house. When I've got a kid who's 16 or older, I will often, if it's an ongoing case, I will have the police called over before there's a problem. Okay, let's get the police involved. That way the kids can't think they can leverage you and manipulate you with, I'll call the police on you if you lock me out of the house. I don't know if it's true in your neighborhood, but here in Farmington, Utah, if you call the cops over and they say, what's the problem? They say, there isn't one now, but we thought we'd talk about what will happen. What will you do if we lock the kid out of the house? The cops always smile and they go, that would be awesome. I, we've been waiting for parents that would do that. Trouble, troublesome kid, okay? Kid, if you're giving your parents a hard time and they lock your house, give us a call. Give us a call. We'll come over. You can sit in the back of our cop car for a while. We'll walk around circles. Okay, and then I'll drop you off and you can sleep on your parents' porch. And maybe you can learn how to be a real man and be respectful to your parents. Okay, so, so you got to be creative. You got to remember you're not raising porcelain dolls. Did you know that young men that were 15, 16, 17 years old actually slept on the frozen ground while crossing the plains as pioneers and they survived? But that's rude and that's disrespectful. Kid, the stuff you said in my house to me, you have no right to be in a house with me. You are being so disrespectful, okay? What I see with parents is some 70s, 80s, or 1990s philosophy has tied your hands on being creative. Okay, there's a whole lot more you can do. But remember, it doesn't matter how significant your parenting methods are. In the same way, the, the brains of these youth are the same brains of the colonists of America. If they are convinced that they're right and you are wrong, whether it's true or not, they will not need logic to go up against the authority figures any more than the colonists of America were willing to go up against Great Britain. The brains of the adolescent male and often the female brain is willing to go to war for what they believe in, even if there's a 5% chance of winning. And we teach them this stuff in history classes like it's a good idea. Okay? So don't go to a bloody war if they feel a need. If they really demand, I am right and I'm willing to fight for it, that's great. But not in my house. But not in my house. Okay? We'll have to cover that in more detail at another time if you'd like. We've spent the whole session on this with those very topics before. Okay.
All right, ladies, may I express my gratitude for you? I am completely aware that your job is like salmon swimming upstream, trying to get up river while grizzly bears try to eat you. Okay, I recognize that it is a tireless job, but there's that thing inside of you that makes it so you can't stop trying. Thank you. Thank you for acting upon it, even though it's exhausting and it often does not work. It is because of you that the world is a much better place. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Yeah, so good. It's great to have Maurice come. Thank you for listening. As you can see, we are very enlisted in what we have learned and hope to teach. If you have found today's message inspiring, please share this podcast with family and friends so others can enjoy and be edified along with us. Be sure to download the free book that holds all the core principles behind what we teach. This book is called Like Dragons Did They Fight. You will find a link for that free download at Like Dragons Free. And remember, you can find all the life-changing resources, programs, and trainings needed for you and your family at lifechangingservices.org.